Hello and welcome again to another episode of our program, Develop. We are so grateful that you made the time to be with us as we continue our exploration in this series that we began in our last episode, which we titled God Commands the Blessing. God Commands the Blessing. And throughout this particular series, we want to look at the, the blessed life that God so desperately desires to give His people. I hope that you noticed in our last episode the incredible amount of times where God uh, shares with His people His heart as well as His uh, um, um, power to bless them uh, from the Old Testament, from the time of Abraham to the prayer of the leaders over uh, the, 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 the uh, people of God, the Israelites, to the New Testament where, where we are blessed with, heavenly, with every heavenly blessing, to God's desire as stated in Isaiah uh, that He longs to be gracious to us and all those who love Him and follow Him are blessed. I hope you got a gist of God's heart and motivation towards you. He wants to bless you, not so that you can be self-centered believer, but so that you can be a channel of blessing to others. He doesn't want you to be a bucket, but a channel of blessing. He wants to give you what you need in order to fulfill the calling and the assignment that He has over your life. So in the next four sessions, I would love to share with you four aspects. Uh, they are four conditions that will enable you to live the blessed life, but they are, are also four indicators of the blessed life. So in themselves, they are both the condition and the experience of being blessed. They are the conditions so you can be blessed, but they are also ends in, in themselves where you actually can say, if I am experiencing those four things, I'm actually living the blessed life. They are the condition of blessing. They are the signs of being blessed. And I've summarized those four for you as delighting in the King, deepening the unity, a disciplined lifestyle, and declaring His promises. I, I would love to go through them one by one. And today we're going to look at uh, what does it mean to delight in the King. And as an indicator and a condition, those who delight in the King experience the life of blessing. The funny thing is this, those who delight in the King are already experiencing the blessing because delighting in the King is the blessed life. It's a condition for blessing and in itself is the blessing to delight in the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Uh, if I asked you, what's the difference between uh, discipline in worship and delight in worship? Like, like what difference come to your mind when you think about the differences and the similarities between a worship life as a discipline. So it's something that you do. It's, a, uh, it's something that you are invested in and you put effort in and delighting in the Lord. I've asked this to our team several weeks back and we said uh, some of the things that stood out to me from the discussion is a discipline, that worship as a discipline is an act of the will. 
It's something that I deliberately do despite of how I feel. So I wake up in the morning and I spend time in God's presence, in worship, in reading the word, in responding to the word, in praying for other people. I don't have to feel that. My worship time is not dependent on the meal I had before I sleep or the events in my diary for the rest of this day. It's irrespective of my feelings, I invest in my time of worship because God deserves my worship. My heavenly dad deserves my time. But the, the, the delighting in, in the king is, it evokes the sense of joy. It evokes a, a, an emotion that happens, but it's not removed from the discipline. As I spend time with God, he might highlight an aspect of his character that brings such joy and adoration and I'm over the moon with who God is. It brings joy. The more I discipline myself to spend time with God, uh, the more I uh, remove distractions because He means the world to me, I begin to experience the joy of the Spirit. Uh, also, uh, our team mentioned something that the will uh, or the, the discipline in worship is almost like means to a desire. So I discipline myself to fast so that God can bring about a breakthrough in my life. I discipline myself to, to intercede on behalf of others that God may intervene in their situation. I, I, I spend time in prayer because I need direction or revelation about something that is... So, so it's almost like worship... Uh, uh, has a sense of a mean to an end, even a mean to, uh, you know, to an experience of God's presence. Uh, the, the desire, God is the desire in, in the arena of the light where I'm not going to spend time with God so I can get something. I'm just desiring God and I want to bless Him and please Him and honor Him. I want to give Him myself unconditionally and wholeheartedly. It's I am delighting in God. He is my desire. And I wonder uh, what barriers might you have in your own life that may prevent you from experiencing delight in God. You might be invested in discipline, but, but what might be preventing me and maybe preventing you from delighting in the King of Kings? I have three simple ideas that I want to share with you. I think some of us miss out on delighting God because of a transaction mentality. Some of us because of a timidity in our hearts. And some of us is because we are time poor. Uh, so, some people, uh, maybe you're one of them, is that we experience worship or time with God as a transaction where it's almost like I'm going to read a chapter from the Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to tick the box and me and God are fine now. It's like I fulfilled the obligations that I have towards God. As if God is like some sort of a, of, of a, of a, you know, a boss or a principal or, or sometimes of a, you know, a master to a slave. That's not the relationship that God uh, desires to have with us. But this transaction uh, oriented relationship can suck the joy out of our interaction. Yes, I did my quiet time. Yes, leave me alone. I I'm fasting. It's like that's that's not necessarily the joy that God wants to bring into our relationship. The second thing that I I and you probably hear often is that we don't have the time 
to invest in spending time with God and, and pouring over His Scripture and, and allowing Him to, to just whisper His affection and affirmation. We're too busy. We're too busy. We want God's blessing. We want God's protection. We want God's breakthrough. But can you do it quickly, please, Lord? We're time poor. Uh, you know, so we, we, we just, you know, spend time with God on the go, in the car, worship in the car or, or on the transport. And I'm not saying anything wrong with that, but, but it's, it speaks of uh, a lack of capability to manage our schedule because sometimes we are driven by our task and we're time poor. Others of us might say that I can't even imagine delighting in God. Um, I'm just going to God just, just to please Him and, and just to avoid His wrath. I, I, I don't want to upset Him. I, I just want to get you know, the little bits of, of God's approval over my life. And we're timid on the inside of us. We're underestimating God's delight in us. We're underestimating God's favor upon us. We're underestimating God's uh, you know, desire to engage with us. We think that He's so removed and distant and, and, and me with my mess and flaws. There is no way I can attract His affection. These at least three ideas that popped in my mind that can prevent us from delighting in God. But do you know that the Scripture makes it an indicator and a condition of blessing that we delight in the King. In fact, in one of the Psalms, we read, take delight in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. It's almost a condition that we must fulfill a premise before the promise. He says, Take the light. That's our role, to take the light in the Lord. And then He would respond by granting us the desire of our hearts in Psalm 37. However, you probably have heard some people give this particular scripture or quote this scripture in groups or individual interactions, uh, almost like it's, it's a ticket to get what we want from God. It's almost saying, you know what, I'm going to delight in God. But really what I want is the desires of my heart. It's like I now found God's weakness. I can twist God's arm. I can get what I want. You know, there is a loophole in the scripture. You haven't, you haven't checked it out. Check it out. It's in Psalm 37. God can't, uh, uh, you know, can't refuse my desires uh, because I have discovered that if I delight in Him, uh, I'm going to get whatever I want. And, um, and that's probably a, a faulty uh, thinking pattern if we think that we, we we just pretend to enjoy God so what we really enjoy is the desires of our hearts is the intentions that we really want and the reality is my friends and you already know that you don't need me to tell you that uh, that you can't over uh, maneuver God. You can't manipulate God. You can't say, I, I'm, I'm really delighting in you, Lord, but really I'm delighting in my heart's desires. Uh, the, you, you can't do that because God can see straight through us. The reality is the psalmist knew that his heart's delight in God and that's the main thing that's attracting his attention. And when that delight in God, God gives us the 
desires of our heart that stems from delighting in Him. In Psalm 27, the psalmist makes it utterly clear in, in, a, in a list of, 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 a, of a prayer request to God that shows his heart desire to delight in God. Look with me, Psalm 27. And this psalm was written by David when he was in great danger. He had is he's, he's escaping um, uh, the pursuit of King Saul. Saul who sought to kill him and to and to destroy his life he was uh, in in potentially in a desert of Judea far away from the, uh, you know the tent of God's presence and and this is what he says is 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 his yelling his heart's desire to God and says one thing I ask from the Lord just one thing Lord this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, which is so far away from, is in the desert, not near the tent, all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. One and only thing I want is to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. Where am I going to spend my life? I want to spend my life, all the days of my life, in the house of the Lord. Okay. You are probably familiar with the story of David. He was anointed by Samuel as the second king of Israel. The only person that's standing in his way is the first king uh, uh, of, of Israel, um, uh, King Saul. He was a madman and, and he wanted to kill uh, uh, David because he was threatened by him and, and, and he had his suspicion that he was going to replace him. And David's heart's desire could have been, God, please vindicate me. Please bring about your calling over my life. You're the one that anointed me. I wasn't interested. I was looking after the sheep. You brought me into this calling. So God, fulfill your plan and your dream for my life. I desire to fulfill your plans by being the man of God on the throne. I want to spend all the days of my life in the palace to gaze at the, you know, the majesty of the king. But that's not David's heart. The desires of his heart was to delight in the king of kings, not in his own kingship. He says, I want to dwell in your house because I'm mesmerized by your beauty. I'm mesmerized by your glory. That's, that's what it really is. You see, the word delight uh, that we read about in Psalm 37 is about being pampered. It's, it's about being in luxury. And, 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 and David is saying, you know, being in your house is like being pampered. Uh, gazing on your glory and your character is being pampered. It's luxury. It's better than being in the king's house. It's better than fulfilling the dream of being on the throne. Father, all I want is to be with you. What a man. What a man. No wonder he's called a man according to God's own heart. Uh, David goes on and say, For in a day of trouble, which he knew better than you and I, he will, that's God, keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. You see, in the uh, ancient Near East, 
David uh, was accustomed to that when a visitor would go to a, a, a tent or, a, uh, you know, to, 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 to enter a particular tent like a house, uh, where the host uh, of that household, that tent, uh, would be the one who's responsible for the visitor's protection and provision. So David is saying, Lord, in your house, I have everything I need. In your house, I have protection from the danger that surrounds me. And in your house, I, I have all the provision I need to live the life that you intended for me. He wanted to be in a place uh, recognizing that in a place, in the dwelling of the Lord, he has all that he needs. He doesn't, no wonder he said in, in Psalm 23 that the Lord is my shepherd. I need nothing else. He recognizing God and that's how we delight in God. When we recognize that all that we genuinely need is found in him. He goes on and says this, Then my, my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. Not at my palace, it's in his sacred dwelling. I will sacrifice, I will rejoice, I will sing and make music to the Lord. I'm not going to make music to the Lord uh, when I am enthroned. I'm not going to make music to the Lord when things are awesome for me. I'm going to make music to the Lord in his dwelling place because that's the place where I have everything I need and everything I want. It says, my heart says of you, God, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. You see, uh, David is recognizing deep on the inside of him that what he really need and what he really wants is seeking God's face, is having an encounter with God, is engaging with God, is saying, I'm going to be determined. Your face, Lord, I will seek. You see, for us to delight in God, for us to enjoy His presence, we need to be commanding ourselves, so to speak, instructing ourselves, directing ourselves, admonishing ourselves. It's like, seek His face. Yes, there are such, uh, you know, diverse uh, you know, opportunities and projects and assignments and things vying for my attention. But I'm going to be determined. It's the act of the will that I'm going to seek your face. I'm going to make a deliberate and a determined effort to seek your face. And he goes on and says, I remain confident of this. Wow, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. You see, a heart that will delight in God, a heart that knows that God, God's motivation is to give goodness and blessing and favor and grace. He's confident. He's not doubting that this is going to end me, uh, you know, end in ruin. I'm not sure if God is going to respond to my cry. I'm not sure that God is going to respond positively. He's saying, I'm confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord. God is good. God is gracious. God's heart is for me, not against me. So I'm confident. I'm not worried. Come might come. Whatever comes my way, I know that the Lord is plotting my blessing behind the scene. You see, here are some steps that will help us to delight. Number one, ponder God's characteristics. Ponder God's 
characteristics. Ponder his awesome characteristics. You see, David says, I am confident that the, I will see the goodness of the Lord. You know why? Because he contemplated the amazing heart of God. He, he, he pondered his goodness and his gracious nature, his uh, ability to do the impossible and saying, you know, I believe in that God. He submerged himself, he emerged himself in, in, in thinking and determining his view of life based on his view of God. So if you and I are going to delight in God, we need to uh, ponder his characteristics. So one of the practices that I've begun last year was to write at the top of my diary one characteristics of God every week, like it's repeated seven days. So currently, uh, I'm, I'm right on top of my diary, uh, God is faithful. Uh, last week was God is mighty. The previous week I had God is gracious. So I write a particular characteristic and it's there every day so that I contemplate God's character. I want to you know, gaze at his beauty. I want to, uh, I don't just want to worship him in, in the practicalities of, of life and in my needs. I, I want to see who he is despite of my current circumstances. So the first thing is begin to ponder God's character traits. Whether you write that down every day, whether you begin to uh, assign your devotional time to different things, different passages where you're looking at God's characteristics, or whether you do a study uh, in the evening or once a week, whatever it might be, where you're focusing on the character of God and absorbing that complimenting Him and admiring Him and repeating it to yourself. You know, God is loyal. God is faithful. I can trust Him in the midst of this and pray it. Let it be part of your prayer. Let it be part of your discussions with people. Let it be part of your anatomy as you consider it and talk about it all the time. The second step that you can use is have prolonged time of worship. Have prolonged time of worship. You know, it's wonderful that we spend a little bit of time in worship every day, uh, especially we, we, we engage with our team by suggesting that you spend time with God daily, you know, a, a, a simple portion of your time with God daily. But every now and again, you need to spend time in prolonged worship. You see, this whole concept of the blessing, as I mentioned in our uh, last uh, session, was birthed in my time of worship. I have made a habit uh, early last year to divide my day between work and the evening by spending time in listening to worship. I spend a prolonged time. I'm not trying to bring God uh, you know, prayers or anything like that. I just want to allow worship, allow, allow time with God to wash over me. And you know what? It's not like every day I've got some sort of a something supernatural revelation. I don't have like something that pops up that makes me, oh man, I'm feeling top of the world. It's just allowing uh, the, the, the worship to wash over me. I don't know what it's doing to my subconscious mind. I don't know what it's doing to my decision-making abilities. I don't know what it's doing to my uh, interpretation of life and challenges and that I face in, in daily encounters, but I know that it's doing something to my inside as I delight in the Lord. And then finally, pouring out God's love by the Spirit. Ask God to pour out His love by the Spirit. 
How many of us know that uh, we can't love God with our human capabilities? Uh, you probably have attempted to do that. Say, I want a delight of God in God. It's like you're almost like manufacturing some delight. Imagine that. Imagine trying to manufacture love for a friend or love for a spouse. It's like, no. God is saying in Romans chapter uh, 5 that He pours out love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So I invite you in your time of worship, in a regular time slot, say, Holy Spirit, Pour out love so that I could love God and love others as a result. I want to delight in the triune God. Enable me to love you with the abilities that you supply. God would give us the love by which we love Him. You see, if we truly desire God, He will give us our heart's desire. That's what I wrote here. If God is your heart's desire, he will give you the desire of your heart. It's a tongue twister, but focus with me. If God is your heart's desire, if God is truly the desire that you want on the inside, guess what? He is more than happy to give you your heart's desire. Look, I, I, if, if you have um, you know, children uh, that you observe or maybe in your own family or you have your own children and imagine if they are interacting with you and wanting to play a game or, or wanting to draw near to you in one way or another, you go over and above the call of duty to engage them. Like they, they almost like crying out, say, make me love you more. Engage with me a little bit more. And what's your response? You don't say, oh, no, go buy some love from another factory and bring it here. I want you to be solid in your love to me. No, you're a, you're, you're a person that delights in participating in the process of mutual loving. And imagine God in that. God wants you to enjoy His experience, His love, His lavish love, His kindness. He wants you to enjoy His intimacy. He doesn't want you to love the blessing more than the person that blesses. He doesn't want you to love ministry more than the Lord of the ministry. He doesn't want you to love the gifts that He gives more than the giver Himself. You see, but once we engage with God and genuinely delight in Him and genuinely enjoy His company, He would allow us to receive all those little things. He says that he, if He did not uh, withhold His only Son, how would He not richly give us everything with Him? God wants to give us everything else that we need uh, once we, our hearts are steadfast in seeking Him, say, your face I seek. I remember I had this uh, experience uh, back in 1996 where um, I was in such a season where I was hungry for the revelation of God's character to me. I had listened to a, 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 um, a message preached by my father decades prior 
1996. And it was uh, from, uh, from uh, you know, a series on the book of Revelation. And he was talking about how John experienced a revelation of God. And he was like a dead person before God. He was gobsmacked. He was just out of this world uh, you know, besotted by King Jesus. And uh, he gave some, uh, you know, some practical steps where I can, uh, you know, people can engage with God in seeking this revelation of his character. And I remember I was so frustrated that I couldn't spend all day long in God's presence. And and I began to search the concordance back then. I didn't uh, have a computer or a, a software to get me all the words of revelation. And I still have the little booklet with me where I wrote down from the concordance every relevant revelation verse. I wrote it one by one, different colors, and I began to uh, ponder on it and prayed over it, seeking God to reveal Himself to me, to reveal Himself to me. I remember a Saturday morning, I was working in a particular workplace, but it was quiet on Saturday, and I sneaked my Arabic Bible into the workplace, and I was, you know, every opportunity I had, I would skim through, um, you know, through some scripture. Uh, this is not advisable. It was at the time I was just crazy. I just couldn't wait until I could go home, and 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 receive God's revelation and affection. I was I was overwhelmed by God's presence at that stage of my life. And I remember driving home and just praying throughout the, uh, you know, the the drive back home. And I went home and I, and I was still dwelling reading on the scriptures and asking God to reveal himself to me. And that time, I think it was April 1996, unbeknown to me, God gave me a promise. God gave me a, a, a foreknowledge of the future. And it was two things in one. One thing that revealed that He would like me uh, to give my life over to a full-time ministry. This was not in the agenda at all at the time. Nothing. I did not anticipate it. I don't think I even wanted it. I didn't know. But then He said, in nine years and 10 months, this will happen. I was like, what? I've never experienced prophetic words like that in my life. Um, and indeed, in 2005 and the 10th month of 2005, and I didn't know where the 10, uh, you know, uh, the nine years start from, like I didn't know. But true to God's form, the, uh, the, the, you know, the ninth year from that time in the 10th month, I was um, appointed in a full-time ministry capacity. I desired God, nothing else, but all those things He gave alongside. And it shaped my future for the past 30 odd years or so. You see, I want to encourage you today that if you delight yourself truly and honestly in the King of Kings, you know, where He is the desire of your heart, don't worry about everything else because He's going to look after it and He's going to give you the desire of knowing Him more, of revealing His characteristic to you in a far more, uh, uh, you know, emotional and meaningful way, not just that cognitive assertions and belief. And that's our prayer and heart for you, that you would be blessed as you delight yourself in the King of Kings. In the next episode, we're going to look at deepening our unity as an, a condition for a blessed life, as well as a sign of living the blessed life. Until then, be utterly blessed in Jesus. 